0: minimum of 4 lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all qualified customers contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due $35 per line connection charge applies ctmobile.com
1: I'm Dave Briggs home in Connecticut Ross Tucker's home jacked up in Pennsylvania getting ready for New Year's Eve cuz I know you wait all year long to get on your 2020 glasses and hat and pop the champagne or are you asleep by like 9.30 on New Year's Eve, Ross Tucker?
2: Uh, you know what? I'm kind of a happy medium there. <laughs> Dave. Uh, I'm certainly not what I was in my younger days. Although, I don't know, on some level, I always felt like there was like too much pressure, conversation, you know, put on new year's eve it's like i mean this is what i do every friday and saturday night why are we making a big deal about this (laughs) um although i will say this dave i am not typically a late night guy i am and always have been more of a let's get started early i would like to have that first beverage shortly after 5 p.m if not earlier And I'm usually pretty good by about 10. I like to go to bed. I'm a morning guy. I'm not a late night guy. So sometimes there have been years for New Year's Eve, where I've struggled to even be able to make it till midnight. Uh, More recently, now we do like a family thing. And our kids are involved. And and I think it's like eight o'clock or nine o'clock, they make it seem like it's uh, midnight at the place we go to, and we're like, oh, happy new year, but it's still three hours until New Year's Eve, so I don't know. I don't uh, I don't think I've made it to midnight the last couple of years. It's become more of a family thing, which is great. Damn, bro. You are sounding
1: old to me. Don't get me wrong. I believe New Year's Eve is... The 2019 Cleveland Browns of holidays, the most overrated easily. You get all these expectations up. You get so excited. You try to make big plans. And you're just sitting there like, what am I going to watch? Cursing daily? Or am I going to just turn on a movie, try to kid fool the kids with YouTube at 11 o'clock? We always make a big deal of it. The kids do everything in their power to stay up till midnight. We jack them full of the, uh, the seltzer, the fake champagne. But I have to lower the bar, lower the expectations. As long as I'm with some good friends, uh, I'm happy. But I rarely, if ever, go to sleep before the official countdown. I still feel like it's something I have to mark, that that a year, or in this case, a decade, has gone by. But very, very overrated. I am disappointed in you that you're not even going to attempt to stay up to do that little countdown with your wife, have a kiss. And have a glass of
2: champagne. Come on, Ross. You can do it. No, you know what? We do that at like eight or nine. So typically we've gone uh, with some friends to a, a country club around here. And it's great. You know, Everybody brings their kids. Not everybody, but a bunch of people bring their kids. And I spend most of the night dancing with my daughters on the dance floor. Talking like 6 to 8.30. And then I think it's 9 o'clock. They do a countdown. And they release these balloons. And hug and celebrate with my daughters, do the same with my wife. And then it's really funny because it's crazy. We usually are the last people there, Dave, and we're there for like 10. Most of the other people, after they do the (laughs) countdown at nine, they are out of there within five minutes of doing the countdown. And oh, it's, it's fake midnight. They are out of there, not us. I'm staying until it's really over. But then you get home and it's like 10, 15, and you're like, "What? why would we stay up till, till midnight at this point? To, to Because that's the actual time when we just did the hug and kiss and I'm so thankful for you. Having, oh, let's make it a great year, blah, blah, blah. Like It's like doing it twice. It doesn't make sense.
1: Man, you're kind of swaying me. I might have to crash by about 9, 30, or 10 now. Although, when you have a 14-year-old and an 11-year-old, you have no chance. I know they're staying up, so there's very little chance I'm going to be able to go to bed. From 10 to 1, 10 significant stories from Week 17 in the NFL here on Home & Home, a radio.com sports original. We're brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Check them out. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter the smartest way to hire. We're almost all the way through our Week 17 countdown to 2020. Let's continue in Carolina. Three players in NFL history with 1,000 yards receiving, 1,000 yards rushing in the single season. Now that Christian McCaffrey has joined that club, Roger Craig, Marshall Falk, Christian McCaffrey, clearly the most complete running back in the game today, he's your number one pick next season in fantasy football, cannot be stopped. But given the fact that they have three quarterbacks, all of whom have major question marks, are we ever going to see Christian McCaffrey accomplish the type of success that type of talent deserves?
2: Yeah, I think so. I, I, I think obviously they got to figure out the head coach. They got to figure out the quarterback. I mean, they, they got a lot to figure out there. I think everybody would be excited if they had a healthy Cam Newton again. I just don't know that, that that's going to happen. So um, it's a heck of an accomplishment, especially when you're on a crappy team that finishes so poorly and everybody's keyed in to stop you. I think it makes it even more impressive than if he was on a good team and they had other good players and good quarterbacks. Yeah, Will Greer,
1: Kyle Allen, not looking like the future of the quarterback position at Carolina. Mr. Tepper has a lot of things to accomplish this offseason. To number two, two straight weeks where Aaron Jones has made the huge play to save the Packers' day and secure a win. They are 13-3. and three. They get a bye. But Aaron Rodgers, 27-55. 54% passing in the last three weeks. Is Aaron Jones what drives that offense? And is this a team that inspires any confidence? I felt this way throughout the entire season. They could lose to anyone, this green Bay team hard for me to believe they have 13 wins. Am I underestimating Aaron Rodgers and green Bay?
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely are. Um, I, I, think people feel that way about the packers because they got beat up on national tv by the chargers they lost a national tv game at home to the eagles and they got destroyed and embarrassed on national tv by the niners so there were three games where we were all watching that the packers were not good Uh, but you know we also watched them in that vikings game last monday night they were awesome. Their defense was awesome. The offense played very well. They got a bye. Um, I think the Packers have as good a chance as anybody. I I happen to think the Saints are the best team in the NFC, but Saints have a really tough road to go. Packers get one game in Lambeau and then uh, maybe even another one. Maybe they have to go to San Francisco. But I think that they are underrated by pretty much everybody for whatever reason.
1: Wow, I just don't believe in that team at all. They seem like they can lose to anyone. Hard for me to imagine them beating the top teams in the NFC. One, one yard short of a win over the Niners for Seattle and claiming an NFC West title. They had their opportunities, but Seattle gets a delay of game call, which was devastating. A missed pass interference at least by my estimation, by my eyes in the end zone, and then they just come up one yard short on the completion at the end of the game. As for the missed interference, we'll talk more about San Francisco with Joe Shasky, 95-7 the game in the Bay Area. As for Seattle, Al Riveron says the league did review the pass interference in the end zone Quote, we looked at it here in New York, had a great look. NBC gives us a great look. We actually performed a review, but based on what we saw, we didn't see enough to stop the game, but we did review it. Ross, are we headed towards another officiating debacle in the postseason? What has the NFL learned from what happened
2: last year to the Saints? Evidently nothing. Uh, Evidently nothing. It's extremely disappointing. That almost makes me feel worse. How he could look at that and not think it merited stopping the game is absolutely beyond me. It's nonsensical. It's extremely disappointing. I don't know that he is the right guy for that job. I think the NFL's options are to get rid of the pass interference replay or challenge rule. You're not gonna look at plays like that and or move on from Alberto Riveron, it's unacceptable. I think it was interference. I guess I could have lived with it if they didn't call it interference. They felt like, as Riveron said, the tight end initiate the contact or whatever. You still can't grab his arm like the linebacker did. Uh, it's still interference. you know. Definitely, obviously restricting him from trying to make a play on the football. And If you're not going to at least look at that one, get rid of the rule. Unbelievable. I side with you there. I'm not
1: certain it would have been overturned or would have been ruled interference, but you have to 100% take a look, stop the game and take a closer look at that. There certainly may have been some contact initiated, but I also believe Pete Carroll has been let off the hook here. Delay a game. At the one-yard line, in the most crucial situation your team can face in the regular season, that is a devastating situation for Seattle. Now, ultimately, the refs may have cost them more dearly, but you can't have that type of penalty, miss execution at the end of the game. Got to know where you're headed. But it's not the only officiating mess in football. Of course, the college football playoff had a bit of a debacle We'll talk about that coming up. The NFL has a massive officiating problem. College football says, hold my beer. Big issues in the college football playoff over the weekend. And the Cincinnati Bengals are on the clock and have themselves a franchise quarterback. Joe Burrow In the story we might not have ever seen if he'd not have transferred on a football Monday here on Home and Home. A Radio.com Sports Original. We're brought to you by Zip Recruiter. Check them out, ziprecruiter.com slash enter the smartest way to hire in 2020. The college football playoff on Saturday was, well, half entertaining and half not so much, but certainly was controversial. I'm Dave Briggs, home in Connecticut. Ross Tucker's in Pennsylvania, and the officiating problems don't stop with the NFL. College football clearly has some problems to figure out. I think the targeting call in the Ohio State game was fine. That was the right call. Um, I don't know, Ross, about the ejection part of targeting. Do you feel like that rule needs some examination before we get into the scoop and score?
2: Yeah, I mean, well, that's that's a longer conversation. I don't really care for the ejection, Dave. Because you know, I do a college football game every week, and you see these guys where it's kind of a bang-bang play. It's questionable. The quarterback or the receiver ducked their head. And here we are, in some instances, seven plays into the game first quarter, and the kid's ejected from the biggest game of his life. I mean, it's bad enough you get a penalty, I think, in those situations. But to eject them as well, I really don't care for. I understand what the goal is. I understand what we're trying to accomplish, but I think you are accomplishing that just by having the penalty without having to eject. So I don't care for that. And I would even say this, Dave, the Sean Wade hit on Trevor Lawrence in the game that you're referencing, Mm -hmm. Ohio State corner Sean Wade, who, by the way, is like a first-round corner in his own right, that, to me, is not really the play that they're trying to eliminate. Right. By the letter of the law, it was the right call. It was helmet to helmet, and there should have been a flag and ejection based on the current rules. But I mean, you're talking about a guy that is six foot. He's blitzing. He wasn't head hunting. He wasn't trying to go for. I mean, Lawrence is six six. Lawrence ducks. There's helmet to helmet contact. Lawrence did what everybody would do in that situation. You were a high school quarterback, Dave. You kind of, at that point, you brace for contact, and you drop your body level, and you drop your helmet level at the last second. Wade should have gone for his knees. Wade should have gone lower. But frankly, that changed the whole game. I mean, Ohio State was killing them. They were going to get the ball then again. And then Clemson ended up scoring a touchdown. That play, I thought, changed the entire game. Change the game. Indeed,
1: Buckeyes jumped down to a 16-0 lead. The momentum turned really on that play. I think the letter of the law is correct. I like that that was a targeting penalty. I think that was exactly what they have to enforce to keep the game safe. But the automatic ejection part, I think, is what needs Uh, a re-examination. I think that needs to be a judgment call. They should have the option of ejecting a player, but no way it should have happened in that circumstance. That was not the most controversial call, however. That came later when another first round pick at the corner position, Jeffrey Okuda, strips Clemson wide receiver Justin Ross deep in Clemson territory. Jordan Fuller scoops up the football, runs it back for a touchdown. We've got a scoop and score. Buckeyes lead. Looked like Ohio State was going to win the football game. They review it, and here's where it gets confusing. When you slow it down, it looks like one, two, three steps for the receiver, Justin Ross, but they rule that he never completed the catch, It was overturned, no touchdown. Clemson keeps the football and wins that football game. Of course, the largest play of the game was the Trevor Lawrence 67-yard rushing touchdown, but this play was very problematic from where I sit. You had the officiating expert on the broadcast explain the rule, but my eyes saw a catch and a couple of steps
2: afterward. What did you see? Yeah, I thought... It was a disgrace, Dave. I, I really did. I, I There is no way that that should have been overturned. He took, he had at least, after the ball went to his hands, and he had it in his hands, he took at least three steps. He almost got the fourth down before the ball was knocked out. Three steps is a catch. And then you say, well, where's the football move? He was trying to hold the ball away from Okuda who was coming in to knock it away. Like, what are you talking about? He was trying to hold it. He literally extended it away. That's a football move. I can almost see them calling it incomplete on the field. I cannot, for the life of me, think that it makes any sense to say to overturn that, Dave. I mean, that... I I thought it was horrendous. You should not overturn unless it's clear and obvious. I thought that was terrible. Look, I think the better argument, quite frankly, Dave, is that his forward progress was stopped and that it was not a fumble because he had had it in his hands and was going backwards for three steps. The better argument would have been, ah, his forward progress was stopped, so it's not a fumble. To say he never caught it, is a total joke. And something they need to fix. And is it
1: something that changes the way you view the college football playoff and the national championship game, January 13th?
2: You know, it does Dave, And it's a great point. Now I'll say this. I kind of like LSU. I love the Joe Burrow story. I love coach Joe. So I was going to root for LSU in the national championship game anyway, I think no matter who they played. But now I really want them to win. And that's kind of, I mean, we could get in a longer discussion about this at some point, but that's kind of how I normally am when there is a really bad call or a really controversial call. I don't want that team to then win, Dave, or especially not to win at all, because what happens then is their accomplishment is called into question. Like, Clemson, those kids easily could have still won that game, right? I mean, even if you give Ohio State that touchdown, Clemson plays it differently after that. Maybe they get a couple more touchdowns. Maybe they still win. But because of the way it went down, it allows millions of people to say, yeah, they won, but they were gifted that call. I hate it. I hate it. It calls into question their accomplishment. And so then if they win the national championship, I know years from now people won't remember, but a lot of people will. I mean, a a lot of people will remember that. I'd much rather the champion be a clean champion, if that makes sense, where there's no controversy, there's no question, there's no debate. They were clearly the best team. There's no, oh, what about this call? No, no, no. They were the best. They won. That's why I'm really hoping LSU wins even more now than I was before. Does not
1: change at all for me, uh, how I view that game, how I view the college football playoff, or how I will continue to root for LSU and Joe Burrow. I love the way Trevor Lawrence plays this football game. I thought, forget about the call. This is a kid that went out there and won this football game and has never lost in his collegiate career, 25-0. And we get another year of Trevor Lawrence Love the way this kid goes about his business, but he is not, of course, the story of college football this year, and that obviously is Joe Burrow, who shreds Oklahoma earlier on Saturday, 568 yards total offense in the first half, seven touchdown passes for Joe Burrow, put on a performance for the ages for LSU. It's amazing. My son says to me, he's 11. Dad, what if Joe Burrow never transferred from Ohio State? And I said, quite frankly, none of us ever really know the name Joe Burrow. It's one of the great stories in the history of college football. I can't think of a better single season performance from anyone at the quarterback position.
2: Well, I'll take it a step further, Dave. What if Ohio State just gives Joe Burrow the starting job instead of Dwayne Haskins. Now, maybe they're not quite as good last year, but this year they win the national championship because guess what? LSU doesn't have Joe Burrow because Ohio State has Joe Burrow. Unless, I guess, maybe Justin Fields transfers to LSU. We could go down that rabbit hole if you want, but uh, it would be very interesting if Joe Burrow was at Ohio State and if they had said, you know what? He's a better quarterback than Haskins if they picked Burrow instead of Haskins. It's kind of crazy, actually, when you think about it. What jumps out to me about Burrow, I love this story. You know what else I love, Dave? I love when somebody gets better. You know what I mean? Like, I, I love when he was, I thought, very average last year. And this year, he's been incredible. And I can't name another guy off the top of my head. You know, people say Kurt Warner. But that's not right. I mean, in 98, Kurt Warren didn't play at all. In 99, he was awesome. So how do we know he wouldn't have been awesome in 98? He didn't play. Same with Kyler Murray. I mean, Kyler Murray didn't play the year before. it was Baker Mayfield. So you can't say there are examples of guys going from not playing to being awesome. But when's the other guy, Dave, that goes from playing and being very kind of average, pedestrian, maybe a late-round pick, to being Clearly the number one pick. It's it's an unbelievable evolution for Joe Burrow. And the numbers are
1: mind-boggling. 55 touchdown passes, six interceptions, 78% completion percentage, and 5,200 yards passing. It is, frankly, mind-boggling. I was trying to research that very f- question uh, you just raised, and Carson Palmer was something close who really did – come out of nowhere it's hard to remember that given where we are today Andre Ware came out of a relative nowhere but still I think nothing compared to Joe Burrow and a lot of this has to do what if LSU didn't have Joe Brady uh, who just completely gave a facelift to this LSU offense on the flip side of this game is the Oklahoma Sooners who in your estimation Ross should they be banned from the college football playoff.
2: No, they shouldn't be banned. I was joking when I tweeted that, at Ross Tucker NFL, you're at Dave Briggs TV, we're at RDC Home and Home. I was joking when I tweeted that, but I'm done with watching these guys. I mean, it's the same thing every year. They cannot play a lick of defense to save their life. And this year was the worst quarterback of the three they've had out of Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. Gave them the least chance to win. Like, I would just rather, Dave, give somebody else a shot. And I don't know who that is. You know, if Penn State hadn't lost to Minnesota, maybe it's them. If Wisconsin hadn't lost to Illinois, maybe it's them. I'd rather see Oregon. I, I mean, I'd rather see anybody else other than Oklahoma
0: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
1: My question to you is the Lincoln-Riley factor. Uh, Look, it sounds like if he wants it, he's going to get an NFL offer. It might just be the Dallas Cowboys. It might be the Cleveland Browns who could think that he's the guy to come in and get Baker Mayfield back into shape. But why, given the performances of that team, giving up 80 points in the first half of his last two college football games, why is that not a bigger concern, a bigger stain on Lincoln Riley's NFL prospects?
2: I think it should be. Um, I also think, you know, he's a guy that has only done it at one place. You know, now it's only the only opportunity he's gotten. He strikes me, Dave, as a terrific play caller and a terrific game planner on the offensive side of the ball. And I think people would hire him because they'd say, you know what, he can get our quarterback playing at a high level. And that's the most important thing. But... I'd rather have a guy like Matt Rule, who has done it at Temple, has done it at Baylor, has spent some time in the NFL with the Giants, who's a little more familiar with it. And I just think, look, both those places are a lot harder to win than Oklahoma. I mean, Lincoln Riley got promoted, and Baker Mayfield was already the quarterback. Like, okay. Then he got Kyler Murray to transfer, and then he got Jalen Hurts to transfer in. Guess what? You don't get great quarterbacks transferring every year in the NFL. I'd rather have rule. I agree with you. I would pump the brakes on
1: Lincoln Riley. Let's at least see if this guy can figure out the defensive side of the football. So that'll about do it for us on this New Year's Eve. Eve, Uh, do you have any New Year's resolutions as we move into 2020?
2: Uh I think I might do the same New Year's resolution but I always do it. I think I'm going to try to not have any sugary uh dessert other than ice cream. See how long that lasts.
1: <laughs> Wait a minute. The guy who films cookies and the press box every week is actually going into a year
2: saying he's not going to eat said cookies. Is that is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't need them. I don't need cookies and brownies and stuff like that. I do need ice cream. I can't live without that. But I feel like cookies and stuff like that are the worst. And I need to uh, I need to move on from that. There is zero chance you
1: make that resolution. You may be able to hold off. But as soon as you start again, start a new The Press Box tour, that will fall apart. But maybe it gives you a few months. I always at this time of year say, I just want to laugh a little more, smile a little more, and yell a little bit less. But I say that each and every year, Ross. Maybe now that I'll have more sleep in 2020, I can pull that
2: off. What do you think? I think you can. I I have faith in you. You're a good guy. You can laugh more. You can smile more. And you cannot get as, as stressed out or have as much anxiety. You can do it. I got faith in you. Life is short, my friend life is short no cookies more smiles less yelling
1: sounds like a good 2020 happy new year everybody we are off on new year's eve and back on the 2nd of january have a wonderful week and we'll preview nfl playoffs week one when we come back Hi everyone, this is Dave Briggs. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home podcast. Remember you can watch or listen live every day, exclusively on the radio.com app or on the web at radio.com slash home.